Welcome to Wisdom from the Mountain, a podcast about intuition, spirituality, and following your path. I'm your host, Tara Alexandria. I'm a psychic medium, intuitive guide, and healer. I'm here to support you to live from your intuition and find true healing and authentic growth. Thank you for being here and for your willingness to live your best life for yourself and for the world around you. Hi, and welcome to Wisdom from the Mountain. Today is a guest episode. For so many of you, the lovely Lindsay Mack will need no introduction. Lindsay is an intuitive tarot teacher and writer. She is the creator of the course Tarot for the Wild Soul and has an incredible depth and wisdom and just realness and rawness to her work that can guide you into such deep spaces inside of yourself of healing, of self-connection, and of growth. In this episode, Lindsay and I talk about finding your strong voice in the world. We talk about centering yourself in your soul's truth beyond the noise of the brain and finding joy through and past trauma. For me, Lindsay has been this voice that helps me to stabilize my way of seeing my own journey, my path. She brings a beautiful framework and detail to the way that we can read tarot for ourselves so that we can see past our own confusion. She is the creator of Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast with so many rich episodes, every single one of which I highly recommend diving into, and tarot courses that help you to connect with your own rich wisdom. You can find Lindsay on Instagram at Wild Soul Healing, which I'll link in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening today, and I'll talk to you soon. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I am delightful right now. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you here today. And I just feel so honored. Thank you so much for having me. And it's genuinely such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I would love to just start out today having you introduce yourself in whatever way feels good for you with just a brief introduction into what you do and who you are. Sure. So my name is Lindsay Mack, and I am an intuitive tarot teacher and writer, and I'm the founder of an offering called Tarot for the Wild Soul, in which I teach people a kind of a loose reinterpretation of tarot that helps them differentiate between the noise of the brain and maybe the ego and our traumas from the truth of the soul's experience, while not minimizing the brain or the trauma, of course, but helping us to differentiate between that. And I, yeah, <laughs> used to read, now teach mostly online and write about this process. And it's a uh, really beautiful way to serve. I love it. Uh, I have you. been a fan of your work for a long time. And I, of course, I had the pleasure of an in-person class with you in Los Angeles a few the years best. ago. I remember it was the best. It was. It was so intimate and the whole experience, how we went around the group and there was this just big energy there. It was so wonderful. And Aww. I've also had the pleasure of taking your Tarot for the Wild Soul course twice already. I do want to say for everyone that's listening, even if you don't practice tarot or don't intend to use the tarot in a way that's maybe beyond the course, what I really feel about your course is that it takes people into personal healing and personal growth to a level that they can't imagine beforehand. Yeah. And so I believe that everyone should have a tarot deck or like an oracle deck, you know, something where they can talk yeah. to themselves about things. Yeah. And I feel like the way that you help people guide themselves into the journey of the tarot is so absolutely self-healing. So I just want to say that about your course. since oh, you, Yeah, of course. So nice. So wonderful. And if I can just say impromptu, 
that your depth and power and wisdom at that workshop was so palpable that I remember everybody that I had the pleasure of teaching, but really remembered you in your tower moment and your reclamation. And it has just been the most beautiful gift to see you beyond me and doing anything with me, but just like stepping into the full badassery that you are. And it's just like, that's, you know, this as a teacher yourself, that that's like the best part of serving your peers is that you, you get to witness each other um, be in towers and then come up to worlds and then move into fools. And like, for anyone who doesn't know what I just meant, <laughs> like just like being in real contractions and then moving into expansions and um, yeah, so memorable and powerful. It's been so lovely to get to be connected with you since that class. Thank you so much. That was one of the biggest and most empowering tower moments of my life. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because I I literally like came across your work. I think you had just started your podcast, which I think so too. Yeah. yeah, It was like August that you started it. And I think Uh I found you in September and then took, you know, that class in November. So it was all really close together, that whole tower moment. And then sitting in your class, it was such validation that I was making the right choices with my tower poles, with my tower resonance and the actual reality of that around me. Because sometimes we pull a card and it doesn't make sense um, necessarily if the cards, if the deck is like, oh, you're in a tower moment. You're like, I don't feel it yet because you don't see the evidence but the evidence was so present and it was so transformative. Yeah. So I really, you know, we come into line with our teachers at this beautiful junction at this perfectly right moment. So thank you for that. I love how you've started this introduction already because so much of what I wanted to talk to you about is centered around everything that you just said so concisely. The first thing I want to say about you before I ask you a question is you are such a deep teacher and a guide that I feel that you have this really deep healing force within you and I'll always see you as a healer. And what I feel with our teachers that are so highly healing for us is that we can go into levels of our own healing that they have already walked through, even if they're not walking right beside us or working us through our moments of contraction in the way that maybe is like directly connected, but because they can hold the energy of what they've been through and what they've experienced, Mm -hmm. they can take us there and take us into our own healing. So we can align with our own voice and our own feelings that help us to reach those moments of healing. So I just want to say that I really feel that you're such a powerful light holding that force all of the time. Mm -hmm. And The first thing I wanted to ask you is how you developed your strong voice to even be in this position of holding your healing power as a teacher. What a lovely question. And thank you for saying all of that. That means a lot. Well, the development was not a conscious one, but the immediate answer that comes to mind is that it was kind of the mix that happened over the course of my life. And intuitively, I feel called to name, I have struggled to have my voice be heard, period. I have kind of a loud voice, (laughs) even though it doesn't seem that way, I do. Um, And I'm a singer and was a singer and sang when I was a little girl and was also like, wanted to be heard wasn't really heard, could sing, was very shy about being heard. So I've always had this push-pull, this attraction-repulsion thing about there's something very clearly within me that is a talker and is a communicator through vocalization. And I can respect that at this point in my life. Like I would even say that it's a much better skill that I possess than I do as a writer. And I think I have a gift with writing too. I would much rather speak than write. It's just been like slow. It's been slow and it's been everything from like voice lessons as a teenager, which never, ever, ever did I think I would be doing work like this. 
But even that, like standing up in front of a room of people and like singing a song when I wanted to die is like part of what prepared me for this. That I do believe within me that I have something to say that's of value. Whether people like it, that's okay. And if they don't, that's okay too, really. But the other two pieces that I have to name with respect to the question is uh, the other two big ingredients of the pie are my teacher, Michelle Sine, without whom I would not be here and without whom I would never know probably that I had something to share because Michelle saw me before I could see myself. And we've been working together for five years and she was really able to hold a space for me to name me as a teacher before I was aware that I had a gift for that. The other piece is that I think, um, by the way, you're welcome for the siren, everybody. <laughs> this is a gift from New York City, from me to you. Um, it's like the longest police siren on earth. And sometimes they're like that. The other piece is that before I had an awareness that being a teacher and communicating was something that I wanted to pursue and that I would be supported in pursuing, which were two different things. I have a thing in me that I don't want anyone to have to suffer. It's okay if they have to suffer. It's not, but it also is. You can't help that. But I have like a thing in me where I usually have to go through things before other people do. And it's been that way since I was a little girl where no one around me will understand what I'm going through. And then later, all the other people around me are going through what I went through. So I've been noticing that pattern in my life. And when I kind of started to do wild soul healing back in 2014, it was really all, like I wasn't anybody. And honestly, I'm still not anybody now. No, no different than anyone else. But uh, there's just a couple more people listening to me than there were in 2014. <laughs> but I was suffering so deeply in 2014 that I just thought, well, if I could help anyone move through these experiences... I feel like I definitely have something to say to it. And so probably that is part of it too, because I was just speaking before I was aware that it would interest anybody. I just thought like if two people could be helped, that would be great. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if I like directly answered your question, but I feel like it's a deep one for me to think about, you know? Yeah. I appreciate everything that you said, because I feel like it just gives so much more dimension to your experience. And I had to think really hard about what to ask you because you already share so much and you are able to illustrate so much about your life that goes into the depths of things. Yeah. So I just, I love everything you just shared. And I'm actually surprised. I didn't know that you were a singer. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if I just missed that, but I'm, that's amazing to me. And I love that we went there because so often when I work with clients who have something going on with their voice, I'm like, you need to like sing or you need to move your voice in some way yeah. because there's healing there. There's something oh, yeah. you can go into on that emotional level that gets into where you're blocked or what from childhood is hurting or, you know, whatever words we might want to use there around that healing. Oh, so yeah. Amazing. Well, I just think your voice is just so powerful and intentional and oh. inclusive. You speak in this way all of the time. You are always consistent in your voice. And that's what interested me, but Thank you. yeah, you're welcome. It's just so it's, there's so much power there that I feel like that is why you have, you know, more people listening to you because that power needs to be transmitted so that people can, I think, heal through it, but we can just say, learn from it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Was there a moment when you realized you were a teacher or allowed yourself to think about it? Yeah, there was. And it actually, well, yes and no. I mean, that's how I answer every question. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I stepped into tarot teaching like it was nothing, like no big deal. I was reading at Maha Rose in Brooklyn and someone who had gotten a reading from me said, I have this very old kind of archaic, very difficult to understand deck it was an out of print deck. And she said, do you think 
you could teach me. And I was honest the way I always am. And I said, I've never taught anybody tarot before, but I do know it. And I probably could teach you and priced it super cheaply. It was just like, just come over to my apartment. We'll literally just dick around. We'll just figure it out. You know, and we'll go step by step. And I had such a good time, didn't know what I was doing and discovered through teaching this person who is an amazing reader in her own right, that she had her own style. She had her own way of talking. She had her own way of interpreting and that it was my job to step out of the way and let her figure it out. And rather than tell her what a card is, I was more interested in hearing what she thought about it. And then I just started to do that. If people wanted to work with me, I said yes, typically. And um, to be honest with you, my relationship with teaching tarot has been highly spiralic because when I quit my day job to do this work, and I think that this is just very important to talk about, I did not have the luxury of turning down students. So I taught people that I would probably have said no to if I had been able. There were people that I taught that I did not really feel great about. There were people that I taught that were a little bit more combative or a little bit less attentive. It's just a part of the experience of teaching unconditionally, you know? But because I was doing it all the time one-on-one, uh, I found myself being like, oh, I hate teaching so much because it was like hard. I was doing so much of it and got booked very, very quickly. And after a while, stopped doing it because I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot teach anybody. I just want to read. <laughs> and then I did um, Tarot for the Wild Soul online because I thought, well, I think my base is growing to the point where maybe I could serve a lot of people more cheaply and I liked that so much that slowly but surely, um, because I did Tarot for the Wild Soul in 2017 for the first time, basically slowly but surely, I started to realize that the opposite of what I thought was true, that at my gut and bones and soul, I am a teacher, that I'm actually not as useful as a reader. I'm actually not. I can do it. I think I'm a good reader, but I'm a frustrating reader because I don't give any future. And that's hard because sometimes people just really want that. And I'm also not a psychic in terms of what I do. Um, And I think that there's a world in which someone can be a reader and can truly float between or not float between. And this past December, I had a huge, um, like an explosion of chronic pain. And it was a gift that forced me to cancel like three months of booked readings. And I just did it. I like refunded so much money and was kind of like, well, I'll figure it out because there's no way that I can do that. And I honestly feel like even though I've been working as a teacher since 2015, December was the first time that I like felt myself step into a birthright where I was like, I am a teacher. This is what I am here on this planet to do, to serve collectively. It's been building up to that for a while. And I've gone through experiences in my teacherhood where like, um, I was so passionate about soul tarot that I was like, this is the way, this is it. (laughs) Like it took me a while to be like, no asshole. Like, of course it isn't. It's just to help people get out of the old paradigm of tarot. Really what it is is just to recenter it. And then it's what other people think. It's like, this is, this is just the base. It's to like put the house back on a good foundation rather than a crazy foundation, which is what, we've been working with for a lot of decades with Tara. Huge ego humblings over the year, but I couldn't have done it before that. I was too in my ego. I was too confused about like what human beings are confused about. And um, yeah, it was like, there was something about December where I just took that in. And now I am just a teacher. I mean, I do more than that, but it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened to me because that's truly, I think what 
I'm doing. Even though I've been teaching since 2015, like, I don't think I claim teacher as capital T, like what that meant, how much attention, how much care, the power of a teacher to influence, to hurt, to heal until like maybe six months ago. And I mean, I cared about that. I took that on in a big way. I have probably a code of ethics that not many people share. Like it means a lot to me like I'm working with people doesn't mean I'm perfect but yeah I feel like December (laughs) was like kind of the first time when I was like there's no more flash to this like you're not reading anymore it's not about like getting into events it's not about like filling up your calendar it's just like what does the world actually need you to do for some people that is being at events that is greeting people that is serving in that way everybody has a place. It took me years to figure out if my place is like really in that form of service. And I had to like take down all this bullshit about like, I don't want to just do that. And it's like, for me to think that is so crazy because I'm like, yeah, I get to teach like the highest honor there is and have like a normal life where I don't have to do anything I don't want to do right now. So it was a big step, but yeah, even though I've been doing it for many years, I would say just a few months ago was really when I started to understand what that really meant. That makes sense. It does. And it feels so powerful to me. And I feel like I've been able to witness that in you, even though I haven't heard this part of it directly from you, because I feel like you feel different, like you feel more like free to live your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have been able to step into so much else this year and it's you know um just for everyone listening Lindsay and I might know each other but we're not like talking to each other all the time you know so like I don't know your personal life but the way that I see you showing up like I feel like you've been able to fill your life beautifully yeah and actually that kind of leads me into something that I wanted to bring up later but I love it if I could just dive into it now because it's so forward. Yes. (laughs) And I also just want to say in Tarot for the Wild Soul, in this group course, you show up as the teacher for hundreds of us Mm -hmm. and we all feel like you are very present and with us personally. I have only taken two of those courses. So I wasn't there the first few years or maybe just the first year, I guess, 2018. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you are able to be so present and like your spring course versus your fall course, your spring course felt not richer, but it just felt like you were there like in a different way. Yes. absolutely. And something I've noticed lately is actually related to another offering nourishing the wild heart. Mm -hmm. You say in nourishing the wild heart, receiving the good, positive and pleasurable things in life is so hard to do. Trusting in sweetness is equally daunting. Receiving in and of itself is surely one of the most challenging things we are tasked with on this planet. It becomes even more challenging when we add in our feelings of contraction, discomfort, guilt, or shame around receiving, which can lead to a core belief that we are unworthy. This belief can be so true that we can spend an entire lifetime inadvertently pushing ease and sweetness away from us cracking the heart open, cultivating our courage, and looking into the eye of our feelings of not enoughness can radically transform our lives. When I saw this offering, Lindsay, I was so excited. (laughs) And I was so excited because I feel this because I feel like you and I share certain similarities where we're very serious and even serious things to us are very fun, but to other people, they're like, is that fun? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And diving into something that is almost, that almost feels hard to move into as fun or ease or lightness or sweetness. It's a big deal for, I'm just going to say people like us, Yeah, it is. And what I wondered here was, because here you're addressing how our relationship with receiving changes when we've experienced horrors, pain, and abuse, when we're survivors, 
And I just wondered if you'd like to share at all some of your journey this year or last year that sparked you to create this course that pushed you into a space where you started to pull out these lessons or maybe wake up to the lessons you'd already gone through and see them clearly so that you could transmit them to those Mm -hmm. who needed them for where you had already walked. Mm. I love this question. I had one of the hardest years of my life in 2018 and I've had some hard times. So for me to say that was hard. Um, I got diagnosed with a brain aneurysm, which is its own form of spiralic medicine to be sure, but was shocking right before the new year in April, I got pregnant and had a very traumatic termination and it was so traumatic in fact that I was just talking to my husband this morning that in June over a year later I am just starting to have my hormones normalized so I was working through that serving through that and that's part of why you for sure did not feel me as much last year in the course because It was a very challenging situation where we also moved suddenly for the first time in 10 years. We needed more money. My husband had left his job. Work was coming through me. And I kept being like, I cannot believe what what is, I was like teaching retreats. And I kept being like, I can't do this. Like I can't, literally my body is saying, no, I cannot do this. I can't do it. I need a break, I need a break. But the breaks kept not coming. And um, you know how this is. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of my body. But like when spirit says, teach a course, you teach it. Like, that's it. So I kept being like, okay, you know, I guess I'll do this whole new mini course right now. Like, what? And I kept just being like, um, I needed support. I didn't really feel like I was getting the support I needed. It was a very dark time. It was very, very hard. And um, very, um, very challenging. And I also did not feel ready to speak about that because when I go through something, I'm not able to speak about it until I'm out of it, until I'm out of the cave, then I can talk about the cave. When I'm in the cave, yeah, when I'm in the cave, I can't talk about it because I'm not out of it, you know? (laughs) And uh, the course in 2017 had about 400 people and it was like, okay, 400 people. And we expected my team to have maybe 600 and instead over a thousand people signed up, which was also, I don't feel that there's, and I, I recognize privilege. If I heard somebody say what I'm about to say, I would throw my computer. Like when I was coming up, there is like it or not, a level of profound discomfort and contraction that comes with a flood of abundance like that. When you aren't used to it, when you've never had it, the amount of people, the pressure I felt, it was very big. And that all culminated in severe pelvic pain at the end of the year that collapsed me to the point where I couldn't walk. And it took me down this journey And once you start listening to the pelvis, no matter how you identify, whether you identify as a bleeding person, a cis woman, like whether you have a womb or not, it doesn't matter. Seat of power for everybody. Yes. The more I listened, the more I thought there's no joy. There's no fun. There's almost no connection to creativity. Sexuality is like out the window right now. And my body is talking to me. And it is saying that it needs my attention and that it would like more room. And that was what triggered me cutting out readings, which was enormously scary. But what it did do was something that I never expected ever, which is the end of the preamble to the question that you asked, which is that as soon as I cut that out, and as soon as I started to go to physical therapy and the pain started to be something that I learned like would come and would go and walking became easier again, I started to want to get out of New York. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I hadn't traveled at all last year. 
the year before that, like at all. I'd gone like maybe two places and it was too much for me. Then my car broke down. So my husband and I had to get another car that could actually take us a little further. And I have been home in New York basically like a month out of the last six months. It's just been like, I've been here, I've been there, I've been, I left the country for the first time this year. And work has come along as an afterthought. It's come along where I do the course and I'm present and I get to be present from Italy rather than from bed. Um, So it was a wild change that it was like once I let go, but I feel like in all of this really huge pelvic, huge pelvic work that I've been doing, there's been a huge confronting of how after my trauma, after my PTSD, I was so successful at healing to the point where I could work and be stable enough to work and serve and teach and talk. But there had been nothing that had happened about enjoying life. Zero. Like nothing to the point where I could talk about receiving because I knew what it was to like receive food, to receive abundance, but I didn't know how to receive like a good time. I had done no work with socialization, no work with friends. I barely had friends because that was an area of my life where as a woman, as a person, I had not yet stepped in and my pelvis like led the way. And so from there, there was almost nothing else to talk about, but that work because it had never even occurred to me to teach about it. I had never done the work. You know, I can only teach what I know. So it's like prior to this, I was doing like fear to medicine and that still has a worthy place. You know, it's like, let's speak to that. But also let's talk about how hard it is to receive good things. And even now, like, and again, calling myself out, height of privilege here, but I'm in a very, I'm in a completely new time. As you and I are talking, I'm on a break. Yep. Not a working break. Not a break where I'm working on something to do later. I'm on an actual break. There's no one emailing. There's no one calling. There's nothing to do. There's no projects to do. And I hate it. I have no idea how to be. My teacher's like, this is like, you don't have to do anything. And I'm like, but what? what do I do here? She's like, nothing. (laughs) I don't know how to do it, but it's like, it's wild. But it's like my teacher, Michelle, you know, she said something that was so powerful. She was like, she said that space to have space in your life is really in opposition to trauma. Because if you have active trauma, there's very little space. She's very wise. And I've really been holding that, that something, something got cleared, obviously. I'm not done, otherwise I'd be dead. But, you know, like something got cleared. And in the clearing, there was a new piece of material that wanted to be talked about. So I wanted to allow that to come. But even now, like, you know, I kind of know that I'm going to do something for the fall and had something in mind for the fall. And now I think that might be changing because I'm changing. So I'm not sure that I want to talk about what it, I thought I wanted to talk about like six months ago. Yeah. Um, So it's been like wild and I'm still learning. Like you're catching me not in the cave, but like with both of my hands wrapped around like the fingers of God learning how to take my first steps. Like it's all very new. Yeah. Um, But it's because I've been, living a richer, more pleasurable, more delicious life than I ever have. Because I, A, I didn't know what that was to do. And B, I thought I was very identified as a scrapper, as a survivor. I was like, I don't do that stuff. Right. Like, I can't do that stuff. I'm working. And I'm like, well, yeah, you can work and go to Italy. That's all right. You know, yeah. if you can do it, why not do it? You know, yeah. I might not be able to do it again for a while so who knows but yeah it just came out of and that's how all my work is it's like I don't plan anything I try I still try but it doesn't work you know I live and then something arises out of that 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, but last year was horrendous. I mean, that justice high priestess year came for me, like it came for everybody, but it cleared out so much. Oh my God. But yeah, that's the long answer to where that came from. New life work. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And so much of that is personal and um, really deep work and deep pain. So I appreciate it because I think that other people need to hear it. But of course, it's when we're ready to share. So I'm so honored that you were ready to share that. And thank you. And it's so funny because I didn't add this at the uh, end of my question because I was like, I don't need to say that. But I literally said, do you want to share with us, you know, how you've been able to accept more sweetness, like having a thriving business, a loving and supportive relationship, and even getting your first passport stamp this year in Italy to 35 on May 6th, because <laughs> yes. that's huge. You it know, I mean, I, I mean, of course, energy comes across even our screens and just seeing that picture that day, you were the first post on my Instagram that appeared that day. Aww. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was just this really like joy for me, you know, but I think that it's because just on an intuitive level, um, not that I've had some of the trauma that you've experienced in life, but because I feel like some of what I've experienced is so explained by the work that you do and you've been able to help me step through into my own healing that I can, I could see that that barrier to joy was there for you because it's been there for me and with with trauma and with abuse and with all of those difficult feelings. And especially when we grow up with that kind of consistency of traumatic experiences, it's so deeply buried, all of that joy and all of that ability to connect. So I, I'm just so pleased with your answer because it really ties together a story. And that's what I'm always trying to hear with everyone is like the layers of that story and how they're able to bring that forward because it's really consistently tapping into your inner wisdom, consistently coming back to that, um, coming back to that center. Yeah, definitely. Beautifully spoken. Thank you so much. Speaking of sweetness, you talk a lot about how not running away from your husband is the greatest act of courage of your life. I knew you were going to ask me about this. I I just think it's such a powerful statement, but I would love to hear if you want to share with us what that looks like to not run away from something that's good, from something that is real and grounded and um, love. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I mean, it's certainly gotten easier because we're in 10 years of relationship. Basically, when I met my husband, I was 24. I was still in active fucking around time in terms of my self-destruction, my abuse, my engagement. I, I don't even think I was like in full PTSD yet because there was still too much re-traumatizing to even let there be space for like, it was a mess. And he was the first person that was ever really sweet to me and was good to me. And I just had no idea how to handle that. It was so unfamiliar. I'd never had it before. And so I worked very hard from the minute I met him basically to not destroy that relationship. And it took an enormous amount of effort and conscious communication, awareness of my patterns, and many cycles of sometimes not even like anything he was aware of, just like uh, these like insane fly-by-night crushes that I would have that were like with doofuses, like just people who it was just an obvious distraction from the intimacy and the love and the presence that was there. And I had to just be with those feelings. And the only thing that kind of remained sort of connected about is that I would tell him, I would be like, you know, there's this experience that I'm having with this person or with that thing. And he always understands what it is because he also knows I'm obsessed with him. So it's this thing that he has always he's been a good person to do this with. Not everybody is the right partner for this. 
but he's been the perfect person to do this with because he understands me because I'm a really straight shooter. How I am when I talk is like how I am in relationship too. Like there's been a million things. Every time I've expanded, my brain's invited me into like, well, maybe he's not meant to come with you, you know, or I've spiritually bypassed myself and been like, no, he's not a spiritual person, like blah, 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 which is bullshit. You know, it's like we can be with all manner of people very successfully. And he is very spiritual in his own way, but just that kind of thing. Yeah. It's really telling myself stories about how I had to end it at certain points and the the loving God bless my guides and my teacher who helped me hold that down for sure. But the loving embrace of guides has always been like if it's meant to end, you're gonna know. It's not gonna be from you being like, Yeah, I gotta get out of this. And so then what I was left was like with another sense of void, another sense of like, I don't know this love. I don't trust this love. What if this love is taken away from me? What if I mess up this love? And yeah, it's just been like 10 years of practice. And in staying, in holding the pose, so to speak, the relationship and the intimacy has only gotten far richer and far more dynamic and loyal and beautiful. But it literally looks like just not splitting up. It literally looks like just noticing when I want to pick a fight. And rather than picking a fight, saying just a heads up, I'm noticing an impulse to pick a fight with you. And I'd rather tell you that than pick a fight, (laughs) you know, and it, it helps. And then I don't pick a fight, you know? And so my husband is for sure the gateway for me in he was the first good thing to come in that I could accept and receive and even that took a long time long time I would say I'm getting really good at it probably now (laughs) like for real and honestly I don't think I'm that rare I actually think that's most people in relationships we're not really present with each other a lot it takes a lot to really be honest with ourselves, with our partners. It takes a lot to really be seen. And we've tricked ourselves, I think, into believing like, oh, somebody's married, it's great. It's like, I am in like the best fucking relationship. Like we have the best time, he's my best friend. But it takes, it took everything I had to hang on to that. Not because of him, because of me. And I think that's a big thing too, is like, we don't want to look at that, at how we can keep ourselves from that kind of love, even when the person isn't quote unquote exactly what we want or whatever. Obviously, if there's harm and abuse, the hell out of there. But yeah, it's been a powerful journey. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's important because of what you said, how it's us in the relationship that and push it away that can of yeah. course you know create some kind of sabotage because we're like afraid of all the goodness all of the good yeah. feelings and really of the connection yeah a huge fear and i've noticed that with myself and it's been a big year for me in so many ways with family and with kind of examining friendships and finding new ones and cultivating friendships and learning um relationships from a distance not like partnerships but friendships and yeah really diving into what connection means and how okay I am with being in it. So that was so lovely to hear from you. Thank you. And I think it's so lovely that you share about him because he is your kind of anchor in a way and your like emotional partner and so much of you in your work is emotional so Mm. I think it's lovely to have us be able to kind of see that reflection a little bit you know Mm -hmm. beautiful we've talked about so much already that there are some questions that I have for you that are a little bit smaller or a little bit sillier that I just will be fun Um, and still maybe deep My first one is actually about astrology. Okay. So for me, finding my birth chart was a huge help in understanding myself and seeing myself and validating 
where I was different from maybe the rest of the world or maybe in the work I wanted to do and just kind of validating that what I dreamed of being or what I saw myself doing was right or like certain aspects of my personality. And my question for you is actually, if you have a favorite planet, sign or house combination, any of those in your chart that you think is really important for you, that is significant or really meaningful for who you are or your stage of development or whatever you want to share with us. I feel so similarly about my birth chart. I'm reflecting on two planet house placements, but want to provide an overall caveat that I have a chart that is really, I'm, I'm smiling and kind of holding back a giggle because it's uh, not funny, but it's very much a chart where there, it's subtler and there really is no way for me to get away from the fact that this is a lifetime that if I am to be public, it cannot be for anything but like, like I can't really get away with anything, which has been interesting being someone who thought they wanted to be an actor. And it's like uh, a joke that I ever thought that I could do that. <laughs> you know, is it like a t- yeah, is it like a 12th house thing? Well, okay, here's an example. My moon is in Leo. Okay. Very much a performer thing, but it's in the Aquarius house. It's in the 11th house. Okay. So I am here to shine for the collective humanity. And my Aries son lives in the 8th house. So there really is like this very potent... Yeah. And it's not 12th house energy. It's not, I don't have a whole lot of that. I have nothing in the 12th house, but I also, because of just the way my chart is also have my Mercury. I think my favorite placement in my chart is I have Mercury in Taurus also in the eighth house. Um, And I feel like anytime I am confused about whatever, coming back to that, knowing that I have the ability to speak very practically and very clearly, and in some cases, poetically, about highly esoteric occult things, like themes of death and rebirth, um, it helps me to really understand all of that. Another thing that also helps me, that is something that I don't know that I have a big deal of insight into, but something that I meditate on deeply, is that my midheaven is in Gemini, and I am much more of a lone wolf. And so kind of reflecting on like courses and podcasts and different themes in terms of communication. Again, it's interesting to always be checking in, like, are my offerings kind of supporting that midheaven? But just a few things, but yeah. I love it. I love it. I wondered if you had Gemini midheaven because I think our risings are opposite. So that would make our midheavens opposite. My midheaven is Sagittarius. So my eyes. Oh, nice. Gemini. Cool. And I think one of my most illuminating parts of the chart for me is so funny because it's the darkest point in the chart, which is between the third and fourth houses, the IC. Mm. And for me, my I have my Gemini sun there. And a chart reader was telling me how this one area of my chart is how I interpret psychic information and I can pull it from the darkest, deepest parts. And I'm really helping people understand their foundations, their root systems, their kind of their inner world. And, um, and then I channel that, especially with help from my Scorpio moon in the eighth. And a fellow reader told me once, like, your readings center around transformation. Like they pulled the death card, you know, there was never a truer thing said to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love it. It's amazing how our charts can support us so much to give us Mm self-understanding. We don't just feel just wild in our brain all the time about ourselves, especially if we have trauma. And I'll also say, especially if we have sort of difficult sign placements in certain ways that really um, Definitely. make things kind of hard for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 
My next fun question is actually about Harry Potter. Amazing. So, Bring it. <laughs> we can just talk about Harry Potter the rest of the time, but please let <laughs> I wanted to know. So I'll just preface this with a quick story about how when I was 13, I had open heart surgery and then convalesced for two weeks to recover and then went back to school. And the first five days I was in the hospital and I remember seeing a commercial for Pirates of the Caribbean. And um, it, I don't know why, but I just remember being like, thank God, like I had something to look forward to a few months out. Totally, of course. Because, you know, the pain and everything. Oh, Yeah. And then I got home and my grandmother, who was a healer in Sedona, had flown out to be with me and to prep me and do energy healing throughout the whole everything. She was with my little brother at home. And when I got home, they were watching Harry Potter 1, which is the only one that was already out. And I had never read the books. And so the moment I got home, I was, you know, sat up on the couch and just really kind of taken care of by everyone. Like, okay, you just sit here and get better. And I watched Harry Potter a lot that week. Like I just had it on all the time. And it this connecting force to deal with all of my, I'll just say future pain that was then going to come through the years. And it became a really solid, what I later learned was an anchor for me. And I returned to those books and returned to those movies and returned to that music during every hard part of my life, whether it was physical or psychological, because one trauma would often create the other for me. Yeah. So I wondered for you, because you talk about it sometimes, and I know that you love it. I would love to know when you found it and if it had a similar, if it was a safe haven for you, if it had that feeling at all. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I feel blessed in thinking about like 13 year old you, like surrounded by family watching that movie after your surgery. Like it brings me into some deep feels. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, You know, I don't know. My life is so weird. Like all the things that are now so important to me, like tarot too, when they came into my life, they weren't anything. Like it was just like, oh, like this special thing, but didn't really know that it would be anything. And I think, are we the same age? I turned 30 this year. Okay. So we have a couple years between us, um, about five years. Um, So I read the first book, I think 2000, 2001, something like that. Yeah. And never saw any movies. And I still to this day have not been able to get through much of a movie because I've only known the book. I think like sometimes some people go the opposite and they're capable of holding all of it. And I read the first four because all f- whenever I read book one, all four were out. So whatever year that was. And I moved up through Goblet of Fire in like two weeks. I just like ripped through the first four and then had to wait for the last three to come out. And it was always very special, but finished book seven when I was in college and they didn't mean anything to me other than books that I cherished and loved. Um, Now, after my nervous breakdown in 2014, something told me to go back and reread them. And I reread them with like a gog, like a gape in awe, because I was like, this is like what I'm going through right now. Like, this is my life. I get it. This is the fool's journey. Like I understand. And like, it became far deeper, far richer. And in that process the books were an enormous psychological refuge for me. Yes. And I have come back to them. Uh, after the course in 2018, I went back and reread a couple of favorites. And my husband and I just re- reread all of them around Christmas time, like from book one to book, uh, to the last book, to book seven. So I do love them very much, but it was kind of after I read them for the first time upon going back as an older person that they meant more to me in that way. Um, yes. but I, I'm obsessed with them, of course. Yeah. 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 Because you reference them often. I feel like when you're especially explaining things to people like understanding how to pick a tarot deck and how often the deck chooses you 
like in oh, the yeah. books, you know? Yeah. Um, she's like, the wand chooses the wizard, Harry, you know? Definitely correct. It makes everything almost easier to take yeah. in concepts like that in a way that's comfortable because then you yeah. can take in these, I don't know, we'll just say like quote high spiritual concepts mm-hmm. in a way that is really childlike. Yeah. Connected to story and joy. Absolutely. Yeah. So much nourishing the wild heart, right? Mm-hmm. I'm also like, I was an eighties kid and you know, an early nineties kid. And like, I was a TV child. Like I was just a pop culture TV movie person. And so that is one of the ways that I feel like I have gifts at relating things to the tarot. Because I think if you can't always conceptualize what and how something that is a little bit more, as you say, like more kind of high spiritual, how that could be relatable to you. I find that movies, books, and TV are often the great universal language. (laughs) Sometimes they're not, but a lot of the times they are, you know? Yeah. Amazing. And just because we're approaching the end of our time together for our chat today, Mm -hmm. I would love to ask you if there's anything else that you want to share today, if there's anything that's on your mind or heart that you'd like to say to us, share with us that might've been sparked during our conversation or before. Hmm. Do have something to say, actually. Great. I'm not sure what use this might be, but I do feel like I would like to invite anyone listening and me, this is for me too, and for you, if it resonates, just to remember that I feel like spirituality is this very strange animal where it's very easy to get it confused with ego, super easy, even for the best of us, right? And it's really easy to start believing that if you do it, you can avoid the hard things and you can avoid, for some people, like getting older. And for some people, it's almost like they believe that they can avoid dying. And I just want to remind everyone that in me and you sharing about our experiences, diagnoses, illness, what have you, that like the best gold you have to offer comes from you moving through your human stuff. And that there could be nothing more spiritual than you tending to your inflamed pelvis, then you healing after open heart surgery, then you trying to destroy your relationship and backing up and recentering that we actually do this work to die good deaths, not to avoid it. And I feel like there's so much programming right now, so much in the over-cultural narrative of spirituality that kind of doesn't lift that truth up but I feel like not because I'm trying to educate anybody or like leave anyone on an inspiring note it's more to say like your hard things are exactly where you have the most wisdom and that's so hard to believe you know we always think like when things go wrong or when they fall apart like life is over and we have nothing to say or if we thought like we understood life and then all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from under us and we think like fuck, I don't understand any of this. It's that we understood what we understood and now we understand things differently. So this is just a bow to everyone listening with a lot of respect and to just permission everybody listening to remember that we're doing this so that when we do inevitably get sick and die, we have something to hold, not that we're avoiding that. That's what I want to say. (laughs) And I think every single one of us needs to hear that. I think that I need to hear it. Important. Thank Thank you you for saying it for you. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like everybody needs to hear it. Yeah. That was so wonderful. And I'm so glad. So deep and so in alignment with everything that I 
am interested in talking about and that's here that's present thank you so much for bringing that through that was so incredibly powerful and i appreciate it i just want to say for everyone listening especially if you have a tarot deck but even if you don't and um you have any kind of trauma or any kind of brain chemistry. Lindsay has this episode on her podcast from July 2018 mm -hmm. called Trauma and the Tarot. Mm -hmm. And from this podcast, she created a mini course called Trauma and the Tarot. If Lindsay has resonated with you, then you, you know, need to obviously go find her if you don't already follow her. But if trauma or if brain chemistry is a part of your life, I highly recommend listening to that podcast and getting this course, which is always available on her website. Mm -hmm. and it is just so important. And I will also say it's important to move into at your own time. Lindsay always says things like that. She always makes us all aware to pay attention to our body clock, our, our brains, to our feelings. And I have to approach her trauma work carefully because I feel that Lindsay, again, what I said at the very beginning, takes you into layers that you kind of need a light with you. You need someone holding that light before you. And she's kind of doing that for you in this really powerful way, even through her, of course, you know, um, pre-recorded courses. Thank you. My pleasure. So Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been such a pleasure. I love you so much. And now you know just how much. Yeah. I really, really appreciate you being on here today. I'm just so excited. I think that everyone will just love hearing all of this. I think that your listeners and your students will be so excited to hear all these kind of pieces of your life during this holding onto God's fingers right now, walking forward. It's just going to be such a lovely conversation for them to absorb. So thank, thank you, you so much. You're welcome. 